Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I think today is going to be the devil's worst day. In fact, every time when we come near to this day, he has to go and take some earplugs. Because all across the earth, everyone across the globe and the nations, everyone is proclaiming the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I tell you, it's definitely going to be the best, the best day for us in heaven, in heaven because there's going to be lots of celebration because souls are going to get saved. At the same time, it's going to be a worse day for hell because they are, they are being reminded of what Christ has, been, has done on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's going to be the worst day for him today. And my heart is full of excitement and expectation because I believe God is going to make himself known. He's going to make himself visible, even not just be, more than just in our eyes, but in our hearts. He's going to make himself known that he's truly alive and he is a reality. Not just an idea or a good story that we talk about, but he is going to make himself known. And you know what? There's no better way for us to, you know, it's my privilege to end the, se- the, the, the sermon series. But before we end this sermon series, I'm going to speak, of course. But we're going to play a video that I just want to let it be an image and also a, a message to all of us at the same time to the powers of the air to remind him what Christ has done and to just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts tonight. What is man that you are even mindful of him that you are willing to go through this? That you came down as a man from heaven to die a death that doesn't belong to you. You took our place. You paid the wages of sin that no man could pay. But not only did you went to hell to break the power of sin, but you, raised, you were raised from the dead and now whoever believes in you can receive life eternal. Father, we just thank you so much once again as we remember that cross. For us as believers, as we remember the cross, will you just move our hearts again with a sense of gratitude and gratefulness. God, I just pray that you will just awaken love in our hearts towards that man. Beyond the blessings that we get from the cross, but you will move our hearts to fall in love with this man, Christ Jesus, again. We thank you so much for this morning. Father, we just look forward to see what you are about to do across the earth, even on this very day. As those who have a glimpse of the revelation of what you have done, where you begin to begin to resound a loud shout from heaven and just begin to cause faith to arise in the hearts of men and women on the earth to know there's hope in a person. And his name is Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to end the sermon series with the last saying of Jesus. Shall we turn our Bible to Luke chapter 23? That image, I pray that it will stick with you for a while. And just to remind you what Christ has done, not only that what He has did for us by, by resurrecting Himself from the dead. No one ever has done that before in the human history. Only one man. And that's our hope as believers. And right now, there's a real human being seated in heaven. His way, He is fully alive in heaven and right now He is interceding for us and for the souls of men. This is the great comfort and confidence that we have as believers. But today we are just going to talk about the last saying of Jesus. 
And let's, let's read from Luke chapter 23, verse 44 to 46. You guys there? All right, let's say in verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour, sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sunlight failed and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You know, it's, it, last week, Pastor Daniel talked about that glorious decoration when Jesus said, it is finished. And that, at that very point of time, everything that's required, everything that needs to be done is finished on that cross. It, it sounded just right if that was the ending statement. Right? It's like, it, there's no better way to end the crucifixion and the very act on the cross by saying, it is finished. But it wasn't the, it wasn't the point. It's, it's, that is great. But there's a last statement, there's a cry that came forth from the very heart of Jesus, Jesus, an intimate cry of telling, calling out to his Father and says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, Jesus broke the power of darkness and the curse of sin. It sounded just right when he done that, in, at, when he said it is finished. But yet his final words were an intimate cry to the Father to receive his spirit, to be reunited with him after finishing all that he has done. So may I suggest to all of us here today that the goal of the gospel and the reason for the cross is more than just us receiving the, the forgiveness of sin and the freedom from the power of darkness, but the goal of the gospel and the reason for the cross is for humanity to be reunited with God. That's the reason why Jesus said his last phrase, an intimate cry, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. After 33 years of walking on the earth, doing all that the Father has called him to do, at that very point when he finished everything, there's this longing and cry with his last breath. Loudly, he declared and he cried out, God, I'm coming back. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, all the way to 23, it says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile Himself to all things. The very act on the cross, yes, is for forgiveness of sins and breaking the curse of darkness, but the ultimate goal of it is that God Himself can reconcile all things back to Himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross, and you say, Me were once alienated, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Next slide, please. If indeed you continue in faith and stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which have been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister of. You see, we were all once alienated, far away from God, hostile, an enemy of God. But the process of being forgiven of sin and breaking off the power of darkness is necessary because at the, at the at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is that we can be joined back to God again. 
Forgiveness of sins and breaking the power of darkness is part of the process. Because at the end of the day, we are supposed to be reunited in one perfect union with God. That is the goal. That is the reason for the gospel and the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 32. It says this, Therefore, if anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say new creation. That the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Say reconcile. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is in Christ who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting them to us with the message of reconciliation. You see, Jesus did not just come and try to whatever that he did on the cross. It's more than just... It's, is to reconcile us back to God, but also He has given us a mandate to have this ministry. The reason why we preach the gospel, the reason why we call people to come to a place of knowing Christ is more than just about asking them to change their ways and repent from their sin and to set them free from their captivity. It's, a, it's actually a beckoning to call them to turn their hearts back to the God who loves and yearns for them. The message of the gospel is not just about hitting them hard on, oh, you did wrong and you are dead. Yes, it's true. They have fallen. They are, we are all sinners. We are all, we are all alienated. But the ultimate goal is that God has given us this ministry called the ministry of reconciliation to turn the hearts of men back to God, whom basically God first turned his heart back to us. That's why he sent his son Jesus. He initiated it and there is a call for response. And our role here on the earth is to be that voice, to call them back to respond to what Christ has done on that cross. That cross is a very sign and a message that, the, that is telling the world God wants the world back. So, what does Christ's final statement, that whole statement that says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, mean to us as believers. At the point of his death, what does that statement mean to, be, to us as believers? I have four points. So the first point, you guys ready for the first point? From Uncle Chua. At the point of his death, Jesus had the assurance of life after death. Why? Something wrong? <laughs> Is it grammar error? I make sure, and Andre make sure that I don't have grammar error here. It's all right. It's all good, right? Jesus had the assurance of life after death. You see, when, when, when Jesus was hung on the cross, when he was there, he made a statement that gave us a clue and a sign where he's going after dying. See, the problem with most men, human beings, the greatest fear that all of us have as people is, uh, is death, yeah. right? The reason why we fear death is because of uncertainty. Because we don't know where we are going. Yeah. We do not know after our last breath, <gasps> what's next? And we human beings, we like to be in control. We want to know where we are going next. We want to know what is, what is like landed before us. But the greatest fear and the need for human beings is this sense of assurance of knowing where we are going after we die. Most of us, you know, Pastor Daniel says he's not afraid of dying because he knew that where he's going. But the only reservation that he has is maybe losing the loved one on the earth. It's true. But the greatest fear behind everything that we have as a human being is the sense of uncertainty after death. 
But Jesus, upon that cross, He made a statement that gave us a clarity of, of, of showing us where He is going after He breathed His last breath. He's going straight into the hands of the Father. If you remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man, do you guys know that story? That Jesus gave a parable? You see, our body dies, but our spirit lives forever. Our spirit lives, our spirit and soul lives forever. And you know that after we die, this body decays, but yet our spirit goes somewhere. And the story of Lazarus and the rich man, I won't turn to the scripture, is basically how that rich man was despising Lazarus because he was like poor and needy and he was rich. He was doing nothing about it and he went to hell and he was in this lake of fire and he saw Father Abraham and he was feeling the heat. You see, even after he died, he could feel, which means he has a soul. His sensory is still real. It was tangible. He could feel everything. He actually still is very much alive without a body, but he could feel. He could see Father Abraham. He could feel the heat from the fire. So which means after we die, we actually have life. We, we, everything still exists, right? And so when we die, we go somewhere. Our body may decay, but our spirit and our soul goes to somewhere. We still can feel. We still can sense. So if today... I go outside, suddenly kena by a car. I knew, I, would, I know that after I breathe my last, I will come out from this decaying body and go somewhere. I'm still very much realize that I'm still very alive. But you know what's the good news for believers? In John chapter 11, verse 25 to verse 27, and Jesus said to the woman, and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me through he, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Say never die. Never die. Your body may die, but you inside of you never dies. Do you believe this, guys? Yeah. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. See, those of us who are in Christ, when we die, we know where we are going. We are going straight to where Jesus went. If Jesus said on the cross, into your hands, I commit my spirit, when he died, I believe that when I die, where Jesus went is the place where I'm going to. I'm going straight to the hands of the Father. How many love to be found in the embrace and the hands of a loving Father? How much comfort can we feel in that place? Second point. At the point of Jesus' death, He exhibited trust by His commitment to His Father. You see, I believe in that very moment, it was the darkest. In fact, the whole scripture in Luke chapter 22, 23, the description that Luke put, it was dark, gloomy. It's like, you know, London, always gray, always rain, very gloomy. I have not been there before, so I'm just saying out by third-hand information. <laughs> but I believe at that moment, it was the darkest hours for Jesus where he's about, He was about to face death face to face. 
Darkness covered the land, the sunlight failed, the strength of his mortal body slowly faded away as his blood flows down from his head, from his hands, and from his feet. Life is just draining out from his body upon that crucifixion. And it is one of the darkest and the hardest moments I believe Jesus is facing at the point of death. And he must understand at a point he don't feel the presence of the Father. It's tough. There was no intervention from God to deliver Jesus from his suffering. Jesus had to die. He had to go through that because this was the cup that he chose to drink for us. God will not intervene at this juncture, of, at this point of Jesus' death because it is the cup that Jesus has to drink for us because he's paying the wages of sin. Because the wages of sins is, is death. And he has to face death in order to pay that debt of sin. And he had to die on the cross. And, G and God has to allow him to go through that. It is tough. Imagine the Son of God who knew no sin, experienced the weight of sin upon his shoulder, and his life is going out from his body, and he's dying. And it's tough. He could not feel the presence of his Father because of sin, because of separation. And then, despite of the horrific moment, Jesus still stayed true to his commitment to his father. His circumstances was horrifying. But he stayed true to, be, to, come, to commit himself to do what he came to do, to be a faithful witness to God, to, be his, to his father, and to reveal him to the world. John 17, this is the prayer of Jesus before he died. He said, O righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And this know and these know that you have sent me. I make known to them your name and I'll continue to make it known that the love which you have, love me, may be in them and I in them. And then right there on that cross, his last final breath and last word of Jesus, the first word that came forth from his mouth is, Father! He was feeling far away from him. He could not feel a single thing. It was hard, but he still stayed true to his commitment to come out to the earth, is to bear witness of the Father. And his last final breath, he gave it all. He says, Father. He bore witness even at the point of death. He did not curse God. He did not say, God, where are you? But at his final breath, he still stayed true to his assignment and his commitment to his father despite because he knew who his father is like. Even though the circumstances may tell him and scream at him, he says, you are done. And then yet in his heart, he knew who his, who his father is and he shout, Father, I know where I'm going. Into your hand, I am coming to you. Somehow, we, there are times we allow circumstances in life to shape our destiny rather than holding fast to the nature of God and the promises that He made to us. Jesus sure didn't feel all good when He was up there. Yet, He trusted in the nature of His Father and know what He promised He would do. He knew that God is going to raise Him. He's so confident in His dad. You see, our Father is constant in His nature and He never changes. You can trust Him in every season and when you decided in your heart to stand firm and trust Him in every circumstances that seems to be undesirable, 
your life actually becomes a witness of God putting on display. When you go through a hard season, when things begin to throw, life throws lemon at you, you make into a lemonade, you actually refresh people. You actually bear witness of the reality of God in your life. Jesus wasn't wavered at, by his circumstances. The third point, at the point of his death, Jesus was confident that God was in full control. You see, Jesus could confidently commit his spirit into the hand of his father because he knew God was in full control in the entire narrative while he was on the earth and even after he dies. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, let's turn down the next slide. Jesus actually foretold, he knew that he's going to come to this point. He actually knew this is the path that he has to, he, had, he got to walk in and he was actually telling his disciples about it. He says, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he's killed, after three days, he will rise. He's so confident. He actually knew that God is in control. And not only that, Jesus knew one of his disciples would betray him and he would do it in a certain hour of the night. And Jesus was not even wavered by the plot of evil. In fact, he affirms it and when the hour came. When I was with you the day after in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me. But this is, the, this is the, one of the most sovereign words that can come up from the mouth of God. He says, but this is your hour. The power of darkness. He actually gave an affirmation that this is the very moment that God allows you to do this to me. He knew that God is in control and he's not wavered by it because he knew that God is in it. He's not wavered by darkness or evil. <laughs> what a sovereign statement. After the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples prayed for bonus to be his witness. Acts chapter 4. Remember, they were all being persecuted because they are preaching in the name of Jesus and then they were being jailed and they were being persecuted. And during that period of time, they were asking God for bonus and then this is what they say. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, do whatever your hands and your plan had predestined them to take place. Which means this, God, I'm finding my confidence in this, that your hand is involved in all these things, even though there's difficulty and persecution come, I know that you are in full control and I can be comforted and strengthened by that reality that you know what you're doing. <laughs> you can be in a very disgusting and sucky situation, but if you know that God is involved in your life, it doesn't matter because He had the end in mind and He knows the good and the best for you. He has a point in time, he knows when it's the day of your deliverance that will come. So to be really honest, Jesus on that cross, it seems to be like it is done. Like, done ready. Die. I'm dying. And he's so confident, and, and, but yet he's so confident that after he died, he knows that God is in control because he knows that as he put his hand, his life in the hand of God, God will begin to take it and begin to do what he has predestined to do it. He has already decided to raise Jesus from the dead. You see, God was not and will never 
be wavered by the threat of darkness or even the issues of life. He knew the end from the beginning and he knows what is to come. He lived in the realm called eternity. He knows. He saw Genesis. He saw Revelation. He knows what is to come. He's not wavered by it. And the same God who judges the wickedness at the Tower of Babel when they're all in one accord trying to overthrow God, where the threat of darkness come, is the same. And He gave them confusion by giving them different languages and scattered them into different regions of the earth. It's also the same God that at the end of the book that says every nation, tribe, and tongue will worship the Lamb. Which means this. The threat that happens in the Tower of Babylon that come against God, they are in unity, in one language, one spirit, one mind, that form of unity, they try to overthrow God, and God has to release a confusion among them because they are, being, they are basically wicked at heart, and because of that, that judgment leads to a redemptive purpose where at the end of the day, that all these people that's been confused by all the different language is going to be used to bring glory to Jesus. Because at the end of the age, every nation, every tribe, every tongue is going to worship Him. He knows it. He knew it all along. He's not threatened by their uproar. And Jesus knew that the, this suffering that he went through was not for no reason. He knew why he must go through this. Because there, is, there was a greater joy in the heart of Jesus that trumped the pain and the suffering on the cross. In Hebrews, he says, it is, for, it is the joy that was set before me that endured the cross. There's something that kept Jesus on the cross enduring the pain because he sees something beyond just the present circumstances and he knew God is in control. He knew that God has already decided that the day will come where people will love Jesus. At a point, people hated him, but upon this act, he knew that this demonstration of love is going to win many hearts back to him. And this was the very anchor because the Father promised him in John 17, 24 that he will give to Jesus those that he paid for. If you guys, if any one of you here are going through a difficult season, I want to give you this verse to give you courage. 2 Corinthians verse 4 to 13 to 18 says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that's beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen are transient, and for the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, the, the difficult time that you are going through is not for no reason. Every situation that you're in, believers, those who are in Christ, is for a reason. God is not out of control. God is not not in, in fact, you should be more scared and fearful that if God is not in the midst of your trials. <laughs> if you are going through a suffering and God is not in, if, you, if God is outside of the picture, then I think you're in big trouble. But if God is in the midst of it, you know He knows... He knows what He's doing and at the end of the day, He will pull you through and He will vindicate your situation. This is our God. He knew the end from the beginning. And know that if you commit your life to the Lord, you can be certain that He is involved and has your good in His mind. Your area of pain will also be the promise of your joy. I want to say that again. The area of your pain in life, the circumstances that you are going through, will also become a promise of your joy. 
you are going to experience an, an ecstasy of joy when you see your pain becoming, when you begin to overcome that, those pains in your life. It's going to be a promise of joy. God is in it. He's involved. He's not out of control. And the last point, when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit, you have to understand Jesus knew that his father's hand will always open to receive him. This is pretty straightforward. You know, all of us here, those who are in Christ, the, post, the position and the posture of the Father towards you is an open hand. He knew what you need. He knew what you are going through. And whenever you run towards Him, His hands are always open. The only thing that, needs, that you need to do is to turn and run towards that open hand. Because Jesus knew the source of comfort that He has at a point of time is the hand of the Father. Guys, we belong to Him. We belong. I'm pretty much done with the teaching of that. Into your hands I come in my spirit. Now I want to talk about the resurrection because this is the reason for today. <laughs> you see, the, the story did not end with the death of Jesus. How, how many of you are glad that the story did not just end at art, it is finished, done, into your hands, and it ends there. It will be quite anticlimax, right? It will be quite hopeless, right? Because everyone dies. Even Jesus has to die. But what sets Jesus apart from the rest of the world, from any person on the earth, any religious figure that ever lived on the earth, what sets Jesus apart is this, that He's resurrected and He promised that He will come back again. No one ever on the earth who claimed themselves to be God, who raised themselves from death and said that He's going to appear again. No one. No one in history. And the good news of, is, of our Christian faith is this. It does not end with the death of Jesus, but the resurrection and the hope of His coming. We as Christians, we have faith and hope because of this reality. Because Jesus is alive and He's coming back again. We are going to see Him face to face one day. You see, our Christianity will never make sense if we always just sing to the space experience the Spirit of God, we can cry. It will, it's all good. In fact, all these things are evidence that He is alive. But it will never fully make sense to us until the day that the faith that we have in Jesus being alive is when the day when He appeared in front of us face to face. It will never fully make sense if we just sing and we can keep proclaiming that He's alive, the world will also, I mean, we can experience that tangible presence, but it will not fully make sense until the day when Jesus stepped down from heaven and walked among us with His body, and He walks with us in the cool of the day, and He relates to us as men to men. <laughs> Do you know that my God is not just a cloud or a theory spirit? No one could know God, but because Jesus chose to put on the form of man, that's why we can now know Him. 
so that you can relate to God in the very skin that you are. <laughs> and he had to, he died, but he rose again. You know, I, as I was meditating on this, you know, I always have this imagination. As I was just meditating on it, that whole fact that he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then his spirit goes to his hand, I can just imagine what happened in that three days. It's like the spirit of Christ went to the hand of the Father, and the Father saw what Jesus has done and brought so much delight. And now it is the right time and the right moment. He took that spirit and his hand went straight down to hell. Crushed it down to hell. And day one, he basically paid a debt of sin because that's, that he gave, cannot find fault with Jesus. Day two, he broke the stronghold of darkness because Jesus' body was broken for us. And the third day, he broke the sting of death. And on the third day, he rose him back on, from the grave and gave him back a new body. And death and hell and the demons have no power to hold him down because they found no fault in this man. They could not take the law and go against Him because He fulfilled them all. And we can't stand in, in turn before God in a, in a place of confidence because someone did that for us. And when we are, say yes to Him, we are actually found in Him. And when we stand before God, we stand, we stand in approximate of what Christ has done for us. We can now come back to God because God Himself reconciled us to Himself. You know, for all of us in, for believers, we can hope even in death. Because we know the day will come, there will be one day. The day is a capital letter D. If you read through the scriptures, there's this day that's capital letter D, right? That is the day that every prophet, any human being had ever lived on the earth is waiting for. That, that, that one day will come upon the return of Jesus, we will all rise again. You see, we may die in the next 70 years, we all will die. This body will go into waste because of the curse and effects of sin. This body has to die. But our spirit lives forever. But upon that one day, when Jesus has decided, our Father has decided the time, the right time and season, He split open the sky. When Jesus stepped foot back onto the earth, all of us will be raised up from the dead just as how He was raised from the dead. The reason why we can be confident in this is because Jesus done it and He promised that He's going to come back and raise us up together. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, verse 7, it says, Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and is to come from and from the seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness to the Father. He has been given this name, faithful witness, because at the point of His death, He still cried out, Father. And the firstborn of the dead. He's the only man, only person on the, in the history of mankind. The first person that actually rose him, raised from himself from the dead and have a brand new body that all of us will one day have. This body will decay and die, but he has purchased for us a body that will never die. We have been saved in our spirit, being saved in our soul, but there's one day, one day, that our body will be redeemed as well. That we can actually walk with God in person, body to body, soul to soul, spirit to spirit, and love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength without any reservation. <laughs> this is our glorious hope. And not only that, it says this, And behold, 
He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierce Him, which means those who were there on that day that nailed that nail to His hands will see Him come back alive because they will all be raised from the dead anyway. And all tribes of the earth will wail. This is a very sad account. Because there, is coming a, there will be a day where people will miss it. But we must pray as believers to, be, to take the ministry of reconciliation, to be a bold witness, to call them back because this is a reality. It's not just a tale. It is a reality that will happen one day. And we have to understand that we have an assignment on the earth to be the ambassador, to be part of a representative of Christ on the earth, to call them back to God. Because it's coming back for us. Second Thessalonians verse chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Please don't be uninformed. Please be informed. Brothers, about those who are asleep, he called people who die now asleep. They are just sleeping. That's why when Lazarus died, he says he's just sleeping. And that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. This is our hope in Christ, guys. That's why when we do our, you know, funeral services, it shouldn't be so sad. I mean, we have to grieve, but we all have this anger and hope that we know that they are actually alive on the other side. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Glorious. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. You can die now, but when He comes back, you'll rise first. You'll be the first to rise. And that we are, then who we are, those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with this word. This is the greatest reunion. This is the greatest reunion that God has purchased on the cross. The one day will come where all of us will be caught up with Him in heaven and our eyes and our senses is going to feel the radiance of the life that is in Christ. In full measure. This is our hope of salvation and gospel. I'm going to close with this. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. This is my favorite part of the chapter of Acts. This is an account of Luke, his second book. The book of Luke is his first. The second book that he wrote is basically a sequel to the book of Luke. Acts is the book that Luke wrote after the book of Luke. And he basically wrote this in a context of trying to account on what, how our faith or how the church started. And in verse 1, it says, In the first book, which means Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when He was taken up. And after He had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen, verse 3, He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs. 
appearing to them 40 days, talking to them about the kingdom of God. For 40 days after Jesus was raised, he walked among men and he walked around among his disciples. And for 40 days, he just goes and says, See this scar? See these hands? See, I'm not just spirit, I'm real human being who have a skin. I eat with you, I drink with you, I fish with you, and I'm here breaking bread with you. I want you to know, I am fully alive. I'm not dead. For 40 days, he spent his time with his disciples, proving that he's alive after his suffering, and not only that, teaching them about the kingdom of God. A world where we were supposed to live. And while staying with them, in verse 4, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but I will baptize you in the Spirit not many days from now. And so verse 6 says, so when they had come to and ask him, Lord, when will this time, when will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? These guys were thinking, right now, he's gonna, this is going to be D-Day, that Jesus is going to make it happen. All of us are going to be changed. But then Jesus gave the classic answer, no man knows the hour. But this one thing I want you to do, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you are going to be a, my witness. Witness of what? That He's alive and His kingdom is coming. Amen. And everything that we do, the Holy Spirit will be there to help you and to bear witness by producing signs, wonders, and miracles to prove to them that your words is true, that He's alive and He's coming back again. You see, everything that we are experiencing right now is just merely an evidence. The reason why we feel the love of God, the reason why we sometimes cry in His presence, the reason why we see healing taking place, the reason why we see people being raised from the dead is because God Himself is trying to make Himself known and tell us that he, the witness of these saints is true, that Jesus is really alive and He's coming back with this kingdom who has no, in a world that has no sin, in a world that has no more death, in a world that has no sickness, in a world that has no disease, there's no sorrow, there's only joy, peace, righteousness, justice, everything. And it says, you will be my witnesses. <laughs> and today what I'm doing right now is to be a witness. In fact, if this is just a hype, like Pokemon Go, it'll be long gone. But for 2,000 years, our faith is based on 500 men's witness, seeing a real man ascended to heaven. And because of these 500 men who saw him flew up into heaven, and this is how Christianity started. If it's just hype, you'll be long gone. Pokemon Go has more following than then, than those followers of Jesus then. 500 to a million people around the world playing Pokemon Go. So much hype, but it dies after one month. But this, this, <laughs> this scenario, they, saw, they go around telling people about the, they saw a man alive going up to heaven and he's going to come back. It went on for 2,000 years. If it's just hype, maybe it's, it will die then. But the truth of the matter is, today we can be standing here witnessing to all, all of us here that to tell all of us here that Jesus is alive is because it's a reality. Because we have touched a place where we felt the tangible reality of Christ life in us. And the Spirit has made it known to us. And again, again, I was saved 17 years ago. I was a pagan. My parents were the pagan. 
But at the age of 15 years old, I felt the tangible hand of God strengthening into my heart. I could not explain it. I choose not, I was trying to make myself don't believe it, but I could not. I just want to read from verse 10. After Jesus said that he baptized you, it would be, be his witnesses, and then they, was, they saw, they basically saw Jesus flew up to heaven, and they were like looking at him flying up to heaven for the first time. A real man flew up to heaven, and they were gazing and gazing and gazing. After he disappeared, they are still looking at the heaven because they just couldn't believe what they saw, and then two angels appeared and said, what are you looking at? He's gone. In fact, the same way you see this Jesus flew up, it's the same way he's going to come back down. So go and do what he has called you to do. Be his witness. Guys, for 2,000 years, there are thousands, millions of accounts of people experiencing and witnessed and touched and saw and felt Christ. And I just want to say today, it might just be some of our opportunity to experience that as well because He wants to reveal Himself more to us, more than we want to know Him. And for those of us who have, have been in it, who have been a Christian for a long time, I want to charge you and, and, to, and to encourage you to be that ambassador, to be that one that will call people back to that place of reconciling them back to God, to be His witnesses and trusting that the Holy Spirit will aid you and fuel you and empower you to be His witness, to make Him known to your friends, to your family, so that the gospel, so that all that Jesus paid for will truly be redeemed. He did not die in vain. What he paid for, he must have. If not, it's injustice. So today, I just want to give an invitation to all of us. Can I have the banner, please? I do not know how many of us here is in church for the first time. Maybe some of us are here because we are seeking. We want to find out more about who this Jesus is and what this whole Good Friday is, how, what good is in the Good Friday. I want to give us an opportunity to, ev to even to come to a place where we can truly experience and encounter this person. You see, God is more than, is, is, is interested in your life, more than just forgiving your sins, more than just breaking the stronghold of your life. He wants your heart. He wants you because He wants you to be with Him forever. God is... Came to, Jesus came to die on the cross so that He can reconcile the world to Himself, to reconcile you back to God, to reconcile you to the place where what, what, to live that life that He has ordained for you since the beginning. Have you ever imagined the world, a world and a life that is without sin, without death, without sickness, without disease, without pain, without sorrow, without darkness, but a life that's full of joy, full of righteousness, full of peace, full of kindness, full of goodness. Have you ever imagined what kind of life will it be like? And I can truly say to you that this kind of life can only be found in this one person. He's the embodiment of them all. I'm so grateful that I don't have to come before God perfect because a perfect sacrifice has been made. But right now, God actually in open His invitation and says, even those who are broken, even those who are contrite, 
these are the sacrifices that I will not despise. These are the people that I want. We are not here to build Jesus down on the cross to start a religion or a movement. <laughs> he came to bring you back to the Father. And this evening, we want to come before Him knowing that His hands are open. That as you commit yourself to Him, that He has your back. He wants to infuse you with the life that Jesus paid for.